Welcome to CBuzz, the Columbus Chamber of Commerce's award-winning podcast and also Columbus's very first business-focused podcast. Our show was presented by the Columbus Chamber of Commerce and Capital University. My name is Michaela Hunt. I'm a brand journalist and your host for CBuzz, where we bring you unique and impactful stories directly from leaders right here in our Central Ohio business community. We're recording this episode at our podcast home base. That is Capital University's Convergent Media Center, a collaborative space for students and faculty to study music, film, creative, writing, and digital media, and more. We're excited to tell incredible stories through this platform. Today, we're sitting down with LaShondra Baker. Law, as she goes by, is founder and principal consultant at LBB Edutainment. LBB Edutainment is a consultancy specializing in the development of strategies that improve and positively impact employee engagement, communications, culture, and diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. La, I can already tell this is going to be a spirited (laughs) conversation today, so welcome to CBuzz. Thank you, Michaela. So happy to be here. So I talked a little bit about what LBB edutainment is, Yes, but, but tell me just a little more. Why did you start this? What is the importance behind the work that you do? Yes. I, first of all, am so excited to be here with you, and I'm so grateful to the Chamber for allowing me to have this space. Um, LBB edutainment, so edutainment, first of all, is the intersection between education and entertainment. You know, we know that adult learners like to have fun while they're learning, and it actually stays a little bit more in their brain matter when they have fun. And so I'm a fun-loving gal. You know, if you remember Steve Martin, I'm a wild and crazy gal. <laughs> That's where I am. So, but I, I love people. That's where it all started from. I love to help people realize their fullest potential. I love to help people remove barriers from their lives and produce their best work. And so from doing that, I started looking at organizations and teams. I did 30 years in corporate. I know I look barely over 21. You do. I know, baby. That's what they say, honey. But fun keeps life living the right way, That's right? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I have vibranium in my blood. It's really good. So I really just started thinking, how can I help the world of work be better. You know, I spent those 30 years doing employee engagement, company culture, diversity, equity, inclusion. So I learned from some of the best companies in Columbus. And then I wanted to magnify my effect. You know, when you're working with one company, you're only touching so many people. But when you have a consultancy, you can touch so many more. And so that's what I believe in is how do I engage the head, heart and hands of people? Was that the driving force wanting to magnify the impact? Or was there something else that was the driving force behind you going out on your own? A little bit of both. So I wanted to magnify, but also I will tell you, Honestly, as a black woman in America, I did not have the most pleasant time in corporate spaces. There was a lot that I did that I felt like people called me unprofessional, even from my hair. Like for those in the audience who can't see me, I have locks in my hair. That was considered unprofessional for many years. Little mini afros was considered unprofessional. Laughter in the workplace at some points were considered unprofessional. And so for those things, it made me feel less than in some ways. And I knew what I was capable of. I knew my skill set. I knew my heart. I knew what I wanted to do and the impact I wanted to have on the world. And the best way to do that is to control my own destiny. And that is where you jumped. Yes, ma'am. Took the leap. Yes, ma'am. Is there anything 
you would have done differently when you first started out now that you have mm. that retrospective? Yeah, I would have charged more. I mean, let's just talk about <laughs> let's it, be right? Real. Let's be real about it. You know, I think some, especially for, I will say, female entrepreneurs, we tend to, in the workplace, get paid less, you know, than our male counterparts anyway. So we don't even know, I think, how to really price ourselves. And in the very beginning, I just wanted to have as many clients as I could to be able to pay my bills and take care of my family. And so I think I undercut myself quite a bit, right? So I gave people pricing just to get the contract. And then after all the hours I put in, I was like, oh, honey, this is not lucrative for me at all. And so I had to think differently. But what I also did is I worked with a pricing expert and she's like, oh, no, baby, this is what you need to do because you're not just working for an hour on a project. You have 30 years of corporate. You have three different degrees and certifications. They're paying for you. So you need to show up like that. So you looked at it differently than just an hourly charge. Absolutely. It was everything you were bringing to the table that you just mentioned. Absolutely. Which is more than just an hour. Yes, ma'am. I heard a... a, a anecdote one time, and I don't know if it's real or not, because I I love fake news too. But they said that um, back in the day when Pablo Picasso was still with us, and he was sitting at a cafe somewhere in Italy, and a woman walked up like, oh my gosh, are you Pablo Picasso? And he's like, well, yes, I am. She was like, would you do a portrait for me? And he took a pen out on his little napkin, and he drew five minutes, and he handed it to her. He said, that'll be $10,000. She was like, it only took you five minutes. He was like, no, ma'am, it took me my whole life. So for you to have the skills and talent to do something in five minutes and turn it around, it's beautiful. You had to work really hard for that. I don't know if it's fake news or not, but I have also heard that anecdote before. Yes. So I think it's a really good point. It is. No matter if it's true or not. <laughs> it is. Um, you know, what are some other challenges that you overcame when you first started yeah. The first thing is just where do I go to source my my clients? You know, it's easy when you're at a job. They just tell you what to do and where to go. Like now you had to figure it out on your own. So the fact that I'm a part of the Columbus Chamber has been amazing. I mean, all of the folks there, Mallory and Kelly and Sharice and Hope, they are all so committed to helping businesses grow here in Columbus and giving opportunities. And particularly Mallory, who, I, you know, I just love her to pieces. She's like, I love that your name drives. I love, girl, listen, I'm a professional name dropper. That's what I do. But she is like, what do I need to help? How do I need to help you? Can I give you some warm introductions? What do you need? And that kind of help is, it's invaluable. It's hard to even put a price tag on it because it's helping you get connected to the right people. It keeps the local economy going on 100%. so many different levels for That's the right. people who are just are starting and for the companies who have built to the level they're at. I, I love that yes. you shared that. What advice would you give to aspiring entrepreneurs from marginalized communities in particular? Yeah. First of all, believe in yourself. You know, it's it's hard sometimes when there's different things that happen in the world that tells you you're a second-class citizen or you're not worthy or you're not qualified to be there or that whole imposter syndrome lie that's been told for so many reasons. I think, first of all, believe in yourself and know the skills that you bring to the table. And the second one is don't be afraid to ask for help. You know, a lot of times, you know, people say, oh, if I need help, they'll think I'm not, I don't, I don't have the capabilities to do this. And I'm like, 
everybody needs help. Even those people who are self-proclaimed self-made millionaires, you are not a self-made millionaire. Somebody had to buy your product. Somebody had to make your product. Somebody had to put the car together that you're driving to your appointments. Like you, you don't do anything by yourself. So it's a misnomer to think that when you ask for help that you're less than. It actually shows your strength because you know you can't know everything and do everything in the whole wide world. So you need help. So be able to ask for it. We have a lot of different entrepreneurs and business professionals that listen to this podcast. What's your advice on how to build a successful customer base? Yeah. First of all, be a good listener. You know, you don't want to come into an organization or a client and and pretend like you know everything already. You have to get to know the organization. One of the things that I like to say is I find out the rhythm of the organization and what works for them. And then I try to customize a roadmap and a plan for them because it's not a one size fit all kind of thing, especially what I'm doing. When you start talking about culture and engagement and inclusive leadership, it's not going to work the same place everywhere. So I have to really get to know and listen to what are the problems, especially the root cause, because sometimes people want to solve for symptoms and the symptoms are just they're not going to solve the problem. So you really need to get deep and sometimes it's heavy. And so people need to know how to process through that heaviness. And so I really decide I want to create a safe space for people to ask questions to say I don't know and that psychological safety is what really helps you move the company forward so don't be afraid to do that what does your customer base look like after spending 30 years in the corporate world and then going out on your own I I mean it can I'm sure there's a variety it is a variety and I'll tell you I am so incredibly fortunate is that a lot of the people that I worked with over that course of the 30 years have become my clients. They have all moved to different parts of the organization and world. And and I just go say, hey, I'm on my own now. And they're like, oh, my God, yes, we need you here. And so that's (laughs) been incredible. I cannot speak enough about networking and building relationships because they are everything. You know, what you know will get you somewhere, but who you know will take you far, really far. I think that you just dropped a big nugget right there. Yeah. And people need to think about how they're fostering those relationships, especially coming out of the last few years we've been yes. in. And I just heard somebody say, networking is back. So it's, it, it has come back. So yes. how are you working that right yes. now? How are you working your networking? Honey, I laugh because my husband's like, you a full-time networker, honey. That's my job. Like even when I first started doing my business, when I left corporate, I remember it was September 30th of 2022. Just that day would just hold it in my brain forever. The very next day, I'm like, I'm on it. And so I started doing coffees and lunches and, and afternoon meals and stuff. And and I probably did that five to six times a week, even on the weekends. So when you're an entrepreneur, there's no such thing as a weekend. You never stop. You never stop. Now you take breaks and you take rest. So don't like that's another little nugget. You got to take a rest. But you always are working your business and getting to know people. And so it took me, honestly, the first three months of me just networking before I even got my first contract. And so it's a lot of dedication. You got to keep at it. No matter when you hear the no's, 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 keep on getting those no's till you get your yeses. That's why it's November sometimes because you want to go through November. You want to have Yes-vember. We should have a month called Yes-vember. We should, but I love that you brought up that because we're recording this at this point. And yeah. Yeah, people talk about that. Yes. <laughs> people people talk about doing that during that particular month. And we do need a yes member. We do. Say yes to more. Yes. Isn't that Chandra Rhymes year of yes or something? Uh, yeah, the, yeah, the year Chandra of yes. Chandra Rhymes, yeah. Yes, I love her. As a woman in, and a person of color in the business world, what unique opportunities or obstacles have you encountered that you may want to share to help other people learn from? Yeah, I can say the unique obstacles are that people always second guess you. And a lot of times when you walk into a room and I've had this situation happen to me before that people thought I was somebody's assistant 
and not the boss. And I don't walk around like a boss, you know, because I think bosses don't have to say, yo, I'm the boss. You just go in there with confidence and you're able to help people solve problems. And when I help people solve problems, it's not just me telling them what to do. I'm asking curious questions for them to help figure it out for themselves. And then I just support them because I think that's really important to say that it's a partnership. Anything that I do with my business is a partnership with my clients. There's, there's only so far I can go and then they have to take it. So I have to make sure that we're connected, that we're aligned, and I can help them achieve those goals. I want to switch gears and talk a little bit about your involvement with civic engagement. Yes. You've recently spoken at a Leadership Columbus event about yes. this topic. Yeah. And I was told it was really empowering. So tell oh, us a little bit more about that presentation and the message that you shared. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm somebody who has been civically involved my whole life. You know, my mom, I grew up in the 70s and 80s in the South, right? And so it was just after the civil rights movement. And so my mom was coming of age in the 60s and was very adamant about being a voter rights advocate and helped a lot of the the black people in my town actually register to vote. So that was a big deal for my family. And the thing that's interesting, which I don't think a lot of people know, is that it took two election cycles for people to feel comfortable going to the polls because there'd been so many poll taxes and threats on their lives for casting their vote. So it took a lot of work for people to do that. That's why voting for me is so incredibly important and doing my civic duty to hold my government agents accountable, but also doing my part. I'm a letter writer. I'm a protester. I'm a phone caller. I'm just somebody who is always out there in the community saying when somebody is feeling like they are less than or not seen, it is my job to help them feel liberated, seen, valued, supported, and respected. You believe strongly in continued education, yes, too, I and I know you're a lifelong learner yes, from reading up on you. Apparently, you've been involved in a group that recently participated in a week-long course at Harvard. Oh, yes, girl. Okay, tell us a little bit about this. Yes. First of all, it, it Cambridge is everything you think it is. It is idyllic. Um, it's beautiful. It's walkable. It was amazing. Being in Harvard was everything for me. It's like when you go to class, I will tell you right now, I will be honest, I hated taking tests in class. I hated it. But the critical thinking and the debate and talking back and forth, oh, honey, you can do, I can do it all day long, all day long. And that's that's what Harvard was like. We had these case studies, and I mean, it was a thick book like this. I mean, you can't see it on on, on the air, but it's my hands it are big. Inches, it's inches. Yes, uh, it's like a, a I would say a ten inch binder, but I don't think that's a real thing. But maybe it was a five inch binder that was really really full. But we went through like twenty different case studies we had to read, and then we debated in class about them, and that expanded my mind and my thinking so much till it made me want to actually go get my PhD. And they're like, "Don't you have enough degrees? Yes, baby, but I want more." But it was such an incredibly empowering and affirming time. It was really wonderful. Do they have, I feel like I've seen opportunities that come up where they invite professionals to be on campus for a week. Is that basically what you did in a certain sector, if you will? Yeah. What was interesting because Columbus was one of 14 cities that sent 10 leaders to um, Harvard. So it was 140 of us. um, And we spent time together with our cohort, but then also with the other people from the different cities. It was like Pittsburgh and Detroit and San Antonio and Seattle, just all over the, the country. And what we really started to talk about is like, what are some of the similarities that our cities were experiencing as far as business growth, economic development, affordable housing, you know, social justice, all those things. And we t- debated about them. We talked about them. And we said, what is the same 
all around and in what is different and how do we learn from each other? And so I have now, I would say, new friends that I'm going to have probably for the rest of my life because it was such an empowering event. Well, these fellow critical thinkers that are going back into their communities and making change happen. Yes. Or having conversations about getting change to happen. um, Absolutely. It sounds very inspiring. It was wonderful. Listening to it. It was wonderful. You know, it's it's interesting because in the midst of opportunities like that, we we still face moments, and you were alluding to this a little bit earlier, of self-doubt yes. and imposter syndrome yes. on our journey. Yes. How do we work through those feelings, even though we might be in the middle of opportunities that look like that? Yeah. Um, I would say support units, right? I have a couple of different groups. So I call one is called the sisterhood group. And we literally hold each other accountable. We celebrate each other. We ask, what are we working on? What do you need support on? What are you going to be celebrated for? And we all do that. We do that every other week. Every other Tuesday night, we get together and we talk and we laugh and we just build relationships. And that's the thing. I don't feel like anything that I do is a competition with anyone. I feel like I want to collaborate. I think there's enough room for everybody to grow and be successful. And so we don't need to compete with each other. The only person I compete with is myself, honestly. I need to be better today than I was yesterday and better tomorrow than I am today. And that's what I want. How do you do all this, too, with a busy day-to-day schedule? Because I know our listeners would love some tips and tricks in that regard. Because you might love the hustle and the bustle and the networking, but how do you make it work in a life? Yeah, so I read this really cool book, and it's called The 12-Week Year. And I don't know if anybody's read that or not, but it's basically talking about how do you break up your year into 12-week increments and then working through those 12 weeks. So, cause it's hard when you think about, Oh, what, what do you want to do for the next three to five years? When people say that, like my eyes gloss over, I'm going to tell you right now, as we know, three years ago, we had the worst pandemic in the whole wide world, that, right? That none of us really knew, unless knew if you really studied health. Right. Was coming. Right. Yeah. Right. And so I scantly remember 2019, to be honest. So there was a lot <laughs> that has happened over the last three years. And so for me, it's like you have to constantly be thinking about what is right in front of you. You want to think long term. I'm not saying don't strategize, because I do. But I try to do time blocks on my time. And I try to say, where are the times that I need the high value work done? Because I'm a morning person and a late night person. In the middle of the day, I start getting sluggish, to be honest. So the most important things I'm going to do first thing in the morning or late at night so that I can make sure I'm feeling my best, I'm thinking in my best mind, and, and have that time to really commit to it. So I would say figure out when is your best time of day when you have the most energy and do the high value things then. And then put some of those administrative things that you may not care to do off. I won't categorize this for you as administrative things sure. because I don't necessarily think it is. But in the midst of all this, how do you stay informed about industry trends and adapt your business to yeah. stay competitive and on the edge? Absolutely. I have Google alerts set up with keywords for all of the things that impact my business. So DEI, employee engagement, company culture, and I also Google my name just in case it's out there, y'all. So I would highly recommend you Googling your name or your business name to know what's out there. Because you if there's something that happens that that's good, you want to celebrate it and share it. If it's Amen. something that's not that's bad, correct it. Figure it out. What is wrong? Is it real? Is it not? Like figure that stuff out because your brand is everything. When you're an entrepreneur, you are the brand. So you got to make sure your brand is solid and that and you hold to your commitments to PS, by the way. If you if you have a commitment to something, stay firm on it. And if you can't, be willing to communicate early and often. I love it. As a communicator, that's you just said some really important things right yes. there. Who's the one entrepreneur that you consider to be your inspiration that sets a good example? 
you're going to laugh at this. I'm sure everybody hearing this is going to laugh at this. I love Ryan Reynolds. And I know that people are like, you do what? Yes, I love Ryan. First of all, he's easy on the eyes. I'm just going to say oh, it out I mean loud. It, yes. I mean, I'm just going to say it out loud. But what <laughs> I love about him, I've been following him for a while. So, you know, obviously people know him as an actor, but he has so many different business opportunities that he's a part of, that he supports, and nonprofits on top of that. And so I love that he is so versatile and he has a variety of things. I'm someone who believes in you should have multiple streams of income so that no one thing has control over you. And that's a big deal for me. So it's like, how do you diversify your money, your funds, your investment of your time to make sure you are truly thinking, how do I provide financial security all the way around me? And he has a strategy where he sees something going viral or something that's hot and then he gets in. I mean, think about Ted Lasso and think about him buying the soccer team afterwards. And that's shown up in a few, that's a few of his different ventures. That's yes. part of his strategy. That is part of his strategy. Uh, even when the the big Peloton thing, when you know that oh with, the within, debacle with the gal and the oh advertisement, my gosh. it was yes. crazy. Within what thirty six hours, he had a commercial. Yes. Within thirty six hours, thirty six hours. That's insane. But it was. I, I love him because he's creative and he's like. This sounds far-fetched. Great, let's try it. You know, and I love that. He's he's he doesn't have fear in that way. He takes risks, but they're calculated risks, mind you, but he brings people along for the ride. And that's what I love. That's part of what I want to do. As I'm building my business, I think about who can I bring on with me? You know, there's no way you can climb up a ladder without reaching back and bringing somebody up. Truth. Um, what's an entrepreneurial achievement that you're probably most proud of right now? Oh, that's a good question. Well, I think one of the biggest great question is I have my husband and my youngest kid that works with me. Uh, my youngest kid, Aji, is my content manager and handles all of my social media. And my husband, Brian, is my uh, creative director and he does my videos and he has my website done. So we are truly a family affair. So I'm the face and the name of the company, but there's no way I'm doing this by myself. So like they're they're on your they're on the payroll they're on the payroll they're on the payroll which we won't go into the benefits of all that but there are <laughs> benefits <laughs> to that too as I know I have an LLC so yeah I mean that yes, there, there could be benefits to that definitely yes, it is. yes how do you maintain your passion and drive law for your business during challenging times or when faced with setbacks those darker yeah, periods yeah because what I do to me is more than work. It's life changing for people. You know, when you start talking about looking at people as human, human, not as just a line on a spreadsheet, that makes a difference for people. When somebody can finally feel seen and valued and heard and appreciated, that makes me feel incredible. When somebody said, I didn't understand that before, but now that you've said it that way, it makes me think differently. And so I'm going to change my behavior. That's a win for me. All of those things are important to me, and that's what keeps me passionate and going. Even when things are tough, when I see the light bulb go off for people and I know that there's been a change in them, I feel very accomplished. Where do things go from here? Just when you think about future goals, aspirations that you have for LBB Edutainment, what do you envision in, in the coming years? 
in the coming years, I want to expand. Like Ryan Reynolds, I want to start building the brand out a little bit. Because my youngest is a filmmaker, I want to go into a production company so that I can be one of the executive producers for their work. And I tell them that all the time. I said, I'm always going to be an executive producer because I executively produced you. (laughs) So you go ahead and put my name on the marquee because it's going to happen. But I'd like to do that. I'd like to be more uh, and do more in philanthropy. I'd like to start a, a trust and a fund sometimes that can fund programs that help people social justice wise and affordable housing wise. So those are things that are really important to me and a whole civic engagement arm because I really want to help people know that their voices matter and they need to be heard. What do you want to see out of that in Columbus? If you dive in in this next part of your business with that, what would be your ideal situation in Columbus? Yeah, to see more people right now who feel disenfranchised, who don't bother to cast their votes and feel like their voices are heard to feel empowered. One of the people that I really, really love and admire is Stacey Abrams. And what Stacey did after she lost her bid for governor twice, she went to the people and said, I don't know that your voices are really heard. And she galvanized people, galvanized them and had more people show up to the polls than have ever shown up before. That's what I want to do. I want to help people who feel disenfranchised feel even better about themselves. I know, obviously, Intel's coming to Columbus and everybody's kind of excited about it, but there's some other challenges that are going to happen too. The traffic, the lack of affordable housing. I mean, just the different opportunities that may not go to everyone. I want to make sure that Everyone has opportunities as they want them, not how somebody dictates them. So that's what I want to do is be an active part of that. One of the reasons we have conversations like this one is because we really do believe in that continued personal and professional development. What is something, I have a feeling there could be a lot of things, (laughs) but what is something that's influencing you lately? It could be a show, it could be a book, a podcast, yeah. I Well, I read a lot. I read a lot, a lot of books. I have Libby from the Columbus Metropolitan Isn't Library. is Libby Honey. fabulous? Love it so much. And I literally read about a book a week. Wow. And it's really important to me. Um, I follow Brene Brown a lot. Um, that's my girl. Because, you know, shame is a real thing, honey. It is. And shame can take you out. Shame is like staying in the past, too. Well, I always tell people, you can look at the past for, for lessons. Don't stay back there, honey. That check is canceled in cash. Get out of there. Look at the future. You know, what is it that you want to do? And you can start that today. I'm I'm writing it down. That check (laughs) is canceled and cashed on the past. Okay, so you love Brene Brown. So what currently, like, what is on the Libby docket, like, right now? So right now on the Libby docket, I'm actually reading another book um, by Marshall Rosenberg called Nonviolent Communication. And the thing that's really interesting about that, and this is good for both professional and personal work, a lot of times when you're in that space, you feel like you just want your voice heard so much that you just are just, like, you dig in and sometimes when you're trying to be right you're not righteous and I say that being right not righteous if you want an end goal how do you need to work compromise talk to this person to get to that end goal if you just want to be right you might be alone right and so my goal is to how can you connect with people collaborate with people get the goals met where everybody leaves with their dignity because that's a big deal People don't want to feel like they've been taken advantage of and they don't want to feel like they're a loser. I don't think you have to have a winner and a loser in a conversation. You can have two winners. There's compromise and collaboration that has to happen. And that's what I'm trying to learn myself and teach others. 
La, it's been great. This half hour has gone so fast. Thank you for spending time with us tonight. And I can't wait to see what you're going to do next. Thank you, Michaela. I appreciate you having me. And you're wonderful to sit across from. For our listeners, if you want to learn more about all of La's endeavors, her multiple endeavors (laughs) coming from every direction, which I love, please visit www.lbbedutainment.com. That's lbbedutainment.com. And if you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to let us know by sharing your reviews on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you might be listening. They sometimes call them podcatchers. Your reviews help people find our show and hear our community stories. We do read your feedback and we lean into your ideas as we plan for future episodes. CBuzz is proudly produced in collaboration with Capital University. We want to say a special thank you to their talented students behind the glass, faculty and staff for helping bring this program to life for our listeners. Once again, I'm Michaela Hunt, your host for CBuzz, the Columbus Chamber of Commerce's business-focused podcast. Hope to catch you next time.